We started this series last week called Living in the Goodness of God. And if you missed that message, I just want to invite you to go into our website and hear the first message because it is the foundation for everything that we're going to talk about throughout the rest of this series, which is in the next few weeks. And today we're, I'm going to go over one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It is the, the Psalm 23, and they call it, the Lord is my shepherd. And I think a lot of you guys are familiar with it, or at least have heard of it. And this is really a perfect picture of God's goodness, and it shows the antidote for the greatest sources of stress in our lives. Now, before we look at that, I just want to give you some facts about the goodness of God. And these are, these are fundamental truths that can be the base for your life. The first one is that God is the source of everything that I need to live. God is the source of everything that I need to live. That means that you don't have to look anywhere else. That means that you don't have to look to Wall Street or, or the government or your spouse or your, your IRAs or Social Security or your job. God is the source of everything that I need to live. Now, the, the point that I want to make here is that if you're going to put your security in something, you need to put it in something that can never be taken away from you. Because if you have put your security in something that can be taken away from you, well then, guess what? It's not secure, right? That's where you go, mm-hmm. <laughs> we need practice. It's okay. <laughs> because we know that you can lose your health. You can lose your job. You can even lose your good looks, your family, your life. You can even lose your mind. You can lose all of those things. So don't put your security in anyone or anything. Instead, you put your security into something that cannot be taken away from you, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. That's right. <laughs> Nobody can take that away from you. You're catching on. I got it. Yeah, this is good. Now, let's start with Psalm 23, the first verse. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And then I want you to read this next part with me. Ready? One, two, three. I will lack nothing. You guys believe that? That's the place where he says, I will have your security and be your security in every area. Now, obviously, the first question that we have in this scripture is, what is a shepherd? Because like me, you probably didn't grow up in a sheep farm like Larry did. And I think Larry would agree that sheep are incredibly defenseless animals. They have a lot of natural predators. They're not very fast. They can't run, kind of like me. Not, you know. They don't have claws. They don't have sharp teeth. And on top of that, they're not very smart animals. They fall off cliffs all the time. They get lost. You know, they're basically, they have, they need a defender is really what I'm saying. They need a shepherd and left on its own, a sheep's probably not going to survive. So a shepherd, he feeds, he leads, and he meets the needs. That's what a shepherd does. And God says here in this verse, I will be your shepherd throughout. I will feed you and I will lead you and I will meet your needs. Now, your needs and my needs are many. There's various needs. And sometimes we need protection. Sometimes we need comfort, encouragement. Maybe sometimes we need a little discipline. Sometimes you need direction. And this, this, the second truth about God's fundamental goodness is that there is nothing I need that God can't supply. There is nothing I need that God can't supply. In fact, in Philippians, Paul says in chapter 4 that God will supply all you'll ever need from his glorious resources in Christ Jesus. God's goodness, and amen to this, is not based on your goodness. It's based on his goodness. 
You don't have to be good for God to be good to you. God is good to you because he is a good God and because of what he did for us on the cross. The third truth about God's fundamental goodness is that God doesn't want me to worry about anything. That means nothing. In fact, worry may be the most common sin in this planet. And Philippians, it says, don't worry about anything. That's pretty clear, right? In fact, I looked up the word and I did an exhaustive study on the word anything, and it means anything. It really does. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Because you can pray or you can panic. And you can worry or you can worship. And if you're not worshiping, you're worrying. And if you invite worship in the front door, guess what goes out the back door? Worrying goes out the back door. But if you invite worry in the front door, worship goes out the back door. You see how that works? God says, I don't want you to worry about anything. And in the famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us why worry is worthless. And I want to unpack that for you this morning because I think worry is one of the most common things that all of us in this room, humans, struggle with. Number one, Jesus says that worry is unreasonable. It's unreasonable. In other words, it doesn't make sense. It's illogical. It's irrational. And again, in the famous uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks in Matthew chapter 6, and that's where we're going to stay in for a second. Chapter 6, starting in verse 25, this is what he says. Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, and don't worry about your body and or what you wear. Your life is far more important, important than clothes. Now, we know that clothes don't make a man or a woman. And he says, don't worry about these minor issues. He's saying that worry is unreasonable. It's unreasonable because first, we typically worry, and you guys would agree with this, we typically worry about the wrong things. We worry about the little stuff, how I look, what I say, who I'm gonna hang out with, you know, all these things. Am I gonna be late for this meeting? Stuff that is really, if you think about it, isn't really gonna matter in five years. It's all temporary. I mean, if you're going to worry, even though God says you shouldn't, at least worry about the eternal, not the external. Worry about the stuff that's going to matter in a hundred, a thousand eternity. Don't worry about stuff that's not going to matter tomorrow. Because most of the things that we worry about are temporary things. He says it's unreasonable because you pick the wrong things to be concerned about. The second reason is when we worry about something you can't change, well, it's useless. If you can't change it, change it, then why are you worried about it? To worry about something you can't change, there's a word for that, and there's synonymous with dumb. Either way, if you can, if you can change it, then change it. But if you can't, then so what? You can't do anything about it. Worry will not change it at all. He says it's irrational. Because we think that worry is actually this form of control that we all want to have. And we think that by worrying about it, we're actually controlling people or the situation. But you're not. It doesn't change anything. And the third reason why it's irrational, and, and you've noticed this, is that anytime you worry about something, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger in our minds. Anybody want to testify to that this morning? If you want to start worrying about, you know, somebody criticizing you or somebody said an unkind word or an off the, you know, a comment that you didn't like, you start to worry about that. But as you worry, the other people that said it to you probably already forgot it. 
They probably didn't even mean it. It's just some stupid thing they said. But in your mind, that worry gets bigger and bigger, and you keep thinking about it, and soon you think everybody hates you, but, but they don't hate you. It's unreasonable to think that. The second thing that worry is, and worry is unnatural. You know who doesn't worry? Nature. Nature doesn't worry. It's unnatural. Human beings are the only thing in nature, human beings are the only thing that God has created in the entire universe that worries. Cows don't worry. You ever notice that? Plants don't worry. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us a couple of lessons to look at. Matthew, again, chapter 6, verse 26, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. Means they're not worried about, what do I have, do I have enough to live on? And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than birds, he says? He says, if God can take care of birds, folks, he's going to take care of you. Then he says in verse 28, why do you worry about your clothes? Look at the field of lilies. They don't worry about theirs. Yet King Solomon in all his glory was not clothed as beautifully as they are. I don't know if you guys have ever looked at a flower real close. I think all of us maybe have. An orchid, a rose, some kind of flower. And and the intricacies and the design and the detail and the beauty of just an ordinary wildflower. God says, Look how beautiful they are. They don't worry about how they appear to everybody else. They're just flowers. That's just who they are. They're designed to be beautiful, just like you. Why are you worried about what everybody else thinks? Listen, you don't have to go to the rest of your life being a worrywart or or, or uptight or having knots in your stomach or getting tied in a tense back to the point where you have to get massages every week, although those are pretty cool. But you don't have to go through that getting migraine headaches and all of these worry symptoms. God says, you don't need to worry about that because it is unreasonable. It's unnatural. And some of you are really good at worrying. In fact, you're pros at it. You're really, really good at it. But you can unlearn it. And notice in verse 26, he says, your father sees what the birds, that's what the scripture says. He says, your father, it doesn't say the bird's father. You're in a different category. You and I were created to be his children. God is not the father of the horses because they were not created in his image. You and I are distinctly different from all the other plants and animals because we were made in God's image, which gives us the capacity to trust him and the liberty to do so as well and the freedom to love him. He said, God cares for you as a father. Children, just like you parents can relate, children have special privileges, even more than any other things in creation. So worry is unreasonable. It is unnatural. And number three, worry is, frankly, it's unhelpful. And what does he mean by that? He means that it's useless, that it doesn't work, that it doesn't change anything when you worry. And when you go to verse 27, it says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life. Think about that for a second. Worry can't make you an inch taller or shorter. It's not going to make you bigger or smaller, fatter or thinner. Worry doesn't work. Who of you can change anything? He says you can't even add a single hour to your life. 
In fact, worry can shorten your life. It's worthless. It is, it's stewing without doing. It's investing a lot of emotional energy for something that isn't going to do anything. Worry cannot change anything. In fact, the only thing that worry can change is you. It'll make you miserable. That's what it does. It won't change the person that you're worried about or you're concerned about. It'll only change you. It'll make you miserable. Now, follow me on this logic for a second. Worry can't change anything in the past because it's already done, right? Mm-hmm. Yes? Amen? Something? Your past? So, so, so why are you worried about it? Worry cannot change your future no matter how much you think you can change it. You're not controlling it by worrying about it. And if it can't change the past, and if it cannot control the future, what does it do? It just messes up today. That's all it does. Proverbs tells us that worry weighs us down. Again, anybody want to give a testimony on that? How you're worried and you're weighed down by it? Of course it has. It does that to us. You think about so many things that you're worried about that you start to get discouraged. You start to get depressed. You start to get in despair. And then some people even say, man, I'm worried sick. And that's, that's absolutely true because you can worry yourself sick and cause all kinds of health problems, except we call it stress, right? The Bible tells us in Proverbs that a heart at peace gives life to the body. Now listen to that for a second and let it sink in. A heart at peace gives life to the body. So do you want to be healthier? There's the antidote. Stop worrying. You have to learn to trust God. Worry is unhelpful. It is unnatural. It is unreasonable, but it's also unnecessary. That is the fourth thing that Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, worry is unnecessary. He says, there's no need to worry because God has promised to take care of you. Remember Psalm 23:1, the Lord is my shepherd. I will lack. You read it with me. I will lack nothing. He's going to feed you. He's going to lead you. And he's going to meet your needs. Now, you're worried about a lot of things that are God's responsibility. Worry is assuming the responsibility that God never intended for any of us to have. So every time you worry, you're thinking it all depends on you, which means that, frankly, that you're playing God. I mean, we will never worry if we understand that God, our Heavenly Father, and we understand what He wants for us, and if we understand that God is a good, good Father, and if we understand the goodness of God. Verse 30 says, If God cares so wonderfully, even for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow. In other words, they're only going to bloom for a few days, a few weeks, and then they're gone. But your life and my life is going to last for decades. And if God cares so wonderfully, even for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he surely care for you? See, what he's saying here is that God has assumed responsibility to meet the needs in your life. You have value. And you want to know how much value you have? Just look at that cross. God died for you on that cross. That's how much value you have. You're not junk. You are not here by mistake. You're not worthless. You and I are valuable to God because we are his children. 
And I'm saying that every time you worry, it just comes from the fact that you misunderstand the goodness of God. Worry, you see, is really more of a warning sign that points to the fact that you have forgotten how good God is. It's a sign, it's a warning sign that we have forgotten the promises of God. There's over 3,000 promises for your life in the Bible, and sometimes we forget those and we need to be reminded of them. So as we walk out of these doors, we, we can walk out knowing that we are children of God, that we are heirs to his promises, that we, can, we don't have to worry. Because if we trust him, he says, I will lack nothing, I shall not want. Now, if you're a believer in this room, and I know most of you are, Think about this for a second as well. What is the logic in, in thinking or saying this? I'm going to trust God to get me to heaven, but I'm not going to trust him to help me mend my relationship. What's the logic in that? Does it make sense to you? Why would you trust God with something so big, eternal salvation, but not trust him on who you're supposed to marry or if you're ever going to get married or what school should I go to or all of life's major decisions? Why don't you trust him with those things too? It doesn't make sense to say, I don't doubt him for my salvation, but you know what? For my social life, my health, my career, my sex life, I got those, God. I'll take care of those myself. If God can be trusted for salvation, he'll carry everything else. The other thing that worry is, it's very important, worry is unbelief. Worry is doubting God God has promised to take care of every need in your life if you trust him. And every time you worry, the Bible tells us that you're acting like an unbeliever. Philippians 4.19 says, you can be sure, that means certain, it's not a wish, not a hope, you can be sure that God will take care of, does he say, what does it say? Everything. What is everything? Another exhaustive, exhaustive study to teach you what everything means. Everything means everything. You know, he's saying here that if God's going to take care of every, every need, every time you worry, you're basically doubting God. Now think about that. Have you ever thought about that? That's why worry is a sin. It's doubting God. And look at what verse 32 in the Sermon on the Mount says. People who don't know God and the way he works, they worry over these things. What are these things? Everything we've been talking about, everything that we worry about. You know, in fact, if you think about it, the only people that should worry are people that don't believe in God. People who have not stepped across the line. If you're not a believer in Christ, if you haven't made Jesus the good shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, and you can't say that, then you ought to worry. Because that means you're on your own. That means that you're going to take every life's problems, every worry in your life, and you're going to depend on you. And there's no grace, there's no love, and it's all about you. Now, I want to ask a, a very important question this morning. Do you think that God ever worries? God made you in his image, and he says he doesn't want you to worry. And John in chapter 14 says, don't be worried. Believe in God and believe in me. Now, there's a certain way to do that. And I want, to, I want you to walk out of this place this morning with knowing what to do and how to trust God to meet your needs. And there's a few things that we can do that God makes it very clear in his Bible that if you do these things, that worry is just going to drain out of your life. Because we know now that every time we worry, it's just a wasted second of your life. It's wasted energy. It doesn't change anything. It's unreasonable, unhelpful, unnatural. It's unbelief. It's unhealthy. 
So how do you do it? How do you trust God for, to meet my needs instead of worrying about my needs? Well, the Bible says that we should ask God to be our shepherd every day. Just like we read about when we first started, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Every day you ask Jesus to be your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And if I ask him to be my shepherd, then he's going to feed and he's going to lead and he's going to meet your needs. And by the way, he's not only going to feed and lead and meet your needs, he's also going to forgive your misdeed and help you succeed if you trust him. So this is what you do every single morning. You get up and you say, the Lord is my shepherd. He is a good, good father. And then you say it throughout the day. And every time you have to go into a meeting, you say, the Lord is my shepherd. He's going to help me through this meeting. If you have a major decision to make that day, you say, the Lord is my shepherd. He's going to help me and give me wisdom for this decision today. And you may say that 10 to 15 times throughout the day. And as you start saying that phrase, guess what's going to happen with worry? It's going to start to go down. And every time you start to worry, you'll start to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm asking Jesus Christ to feed me, to lead me, and meet my needs. And I'm not going to worry about it because he says, I promise to take care of all of your needs if we trust in him. So every day, we need to pray this prayer that King David prayed that we can find in Psalm 28, 9, where it says, come, save us and bless us. Be our shepherd and always carry us in your arms. He says that you can pray these things. So you ask him to be your shepherd every day, and you're going to notice that you're going to start to just begin to trust him one day at a time. And in verse 34 of the Sermon on the Mount, it says, so do not worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will have its own worries. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, there are two days of every week that we should never be worried about. That is yesterday and tomorrow. Because you can't do anything about them anyway. You don't worry about the future until you successfully learn to manage today. And some of you aren't doing that good of a job at that one either. I mean, why are you borrowing trouble and worrying about something that's happening in two weeks? You see, when you think about it, today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. Yesterday, you messed up because you were worried about today. And today, you're messing up today because you're worried about tomorrow. So let's not do that. Let's take it one day at a, you know, one day at a time. And there's a couple of reasons why we should live one day at a time. First, when you worry about tomorrow's problems, one thing happens, and that's you're going to miss the blessings for today. You know, some of you guys have something coming up in two or three weeks that you guys are you know, scared to death about it, and you're making it worse because you keep worrying about it, and all you're doing is messing up the time between now and when it happens. What is that worrying doing for you? Is it working? You're missing today's blessings, so you take one day at a time. And the other reason you can't solve tomorrow's problems is, with, is because you don't have the power to do so today. When you get there, meaning tomorrow, God will give you the power and the perspective and the grace and the wisdom. He'll give you what you need, when you need it, when you're there. God says, I'm not giving you power for that because I wanted you to trust me one day at a time. The Bible doesn't say, give us this day our weekly bread, does it? That's when you go, mm-hmm, come on, amen, something. I'm up here all by myself. Anyway, 
you're to pray, give me today my daily bread. Give me just enough strength to make it through the day. He wants you to depend on him one day at a time. Now, let me be clear because I know I'm going to get some things on the outline that says, I have a question for you. It's okay to plan for the future, okay? Just don't worry about the future. Planning is good. Worrying is bad. Jesus highly recommends planning. In fact, he wrote a whole book about it. It's called Proverbs. God says it's foolish not to plan. Only a fool would go throughout life without ever thinking about the inevitable, which is called death. And as you begin to trust him day by day, then you are going to start to notice that you're going to start to give Jesus first place in every area of your life. And this is extremely important that we give Jesus first place in every area of our life because we all know that there are certain areas of our life that we do not give to God's control, that are not under God's control. And when you say, when you say Jesus, come into my house, we need to be able to say, you know, come into my house and you have access to the bedroom and the kitchen of my life. And you know what? You have access to that closet where I have all these hidden secrets over there. You have access to that as well. Father, we need to say, God, take over the whole house. Have you ever said that? Not just, you know, God, I just want you to get me to heaven and I'll take care of the rest. Thank you very much. It's almost like a life insurance. We don't want to miss out on it, but we got to figure out for everything else. When you make Jesus Christ, number one, in every single area of your life, it really simplifies your priorities. And it also gives you a whole lot less to worry about. Now, as long as you love anything else in your life far more than God, that area is going to become a source of worry to you. You can count on that. It's going to become a source of stress and a source of insecurity if you love it more than God. And as you ask Jesus to be your shepherd every single day and you give him every area of your life, then you're going to start to give him all of your worries and prayer. Folks, did you guys know that God wants you guys to relax? That's what God wants for us. He just wants you to relax. He wants you to give him all your worries and prayer. You say, Jesus, just, just take these things that I'm worried about. Some of you guys have a list. And you just hand it over to him. Bible says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. In other words, you just give it to him, which also means that you say them, you give them over to God. You don't stuff them. You don't suppress them. You don't deny them and say, I'm not worried. Yeah, yes, you are. You express it to God. You confess it. And, and, and you say, God, here's the list of my worries. So as I call the worship band up, and you start to do these things, First, you acknowledge that there is worry in your life, and you put yourself first and not thinking of God. And as you do these things by putting them first in your life and by, by praying to him and, and, and understanding these things, you're going to notice that worry is going to flee from your lives. And then that Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I will lack nothing, is going to be, start coming true in your life. We know that we are as sheep and the Bible tells us that if you're going through a hard time, if you're falling off from God, and if you need comfort or peace, whatever it may be, the Bible tells us that he will leave the 99 sheep to go after you. Now, if he will do that, that's how much he cares for you. Wouldn't it be worth to just turn over your worries over to him and let him be your shepherd so that you will lack nothing? 
I want to read the lyrics of the song that we're about to sing. And they say, God has been so good to us. There is no shadow that he won't light up, no mountain that he won't climb up to come after you, to come after me. There is no wall that he won't kick down, no lie that he won't tear down to come after me. Folks, we just need to allow God to be the good shepherd, and then we will lack nothing. So as we sing this next song, you can either contemplate on the lyrics, you can sing along, but what I would encourage you to do is to respond in such a way that you will just decide once and for all that you're going to try your very best to just turn everything over to God. So use this song to respond back to him. Will you buy in prayer with me? Dear God, we know that you are the source of everything that we need to live, and yet we look everywhere else. Lord, that there's nothing that we need that you can't supply. Father, it's really clear in your word that you don't want us to ever, ever worry about anything. Lord, we know that worry is not going to add a single hour to our life or change the past or the future. Father, today we want to learn to trust you to meet our needs, and we want to practice it this week. And if you're here this morning and this resonated with you and God is speaking to you, then just repeat this prayer in your heart with me. God, every day I want to ask you to be my shepherd. Lord, if I have to say it 20 times a day, the Lord is my shepherd, I'll remember that when I worry that you're going to feed and that you're going to lead and that you're going to meet my need. Father, I want to give you first place in every area of my life. Lord, I, I, I open up my entire home to you. No drawer, no closet, no room is off limits to you. Lord, and whenever I worry, help me to realize that the area is not under your control and that I've held it back and that I, I've loved, loved it more than I loved you. Lord, this week and during this entire series, teach me, Lord, just teach me to relax and not to hold on to my worries, not to stuff them, not to but to confess them instead, to give you my worries in prayer. Lord, help me to trust you for one day at a time, to not worry about tomorrow, because we know that it will have trouble on its own, but to depend on your power today to solve today's problems and your power tomorrow for tomorrow's. Lord, I just want to trust you in every single area of my life. And if there's some of you here who've never said, Jesus Christ, be my shepherd for the first time, I invite you right now to just invite him into your heart and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I humbly ask this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen.